This is Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty, which is part of the Replicate Podcast Network. It is a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. Today on the podcast, we have a special guest, Mr. Michael Catt. Michael Catt is... uh, He's in the midst of a storm going around where he is currently recording from. If you hear any thunder in the background, that is not intentional. That's not a sound effect. That could be a real uh, thunderstorm going on. (laughs) As we record this, we're we're walking through our series. We talked about the revival here at Long Hollow, what God is doing. And it's just been incredible to witness God's power at work in our midst. And so it has kind of pushed us to, to reach out and ask some other leaders who have been through similar situations, seen or experienced revival, have actively pursued it in their own churches, and what a legacy uh, Michael has. And, and we cannot wait to hear more from him as we talk about and walk through and connect with more voices uh, for revival. So Pastor Robbie, if you wouldn't mind, talk to us a little bit about Michael and introduce well, him. Well, let me, let me tell you who Michael is. So uh, Michael Catt, I, I knew him from um, pastoring Sherwood Baptist, but you may know him from the uh, the movies that uh, some of his staff members in his church started to produce, Facing the Giants, Remember the Titans, um, Fireproof, and others. Right. Um, He's one of the but, few pastors uh, with a movie credit. Or more than one that's movie, right? right? That, that's very incredible. Few. Very few. Yeah, in, in, fire, in Fireproof, they catch me walking away from the camera down the hall. It's just all you see is my back. And it's and I got thousands of calls. Yeah, all that back. <laughs> but but uh, been at, at Sherwood for uh, since 1989. Is that right? Yes. Wow. So just retired. Right. Like recently, a couple of weeks ago, right? Uh, end of April, and uh, Paul Gotthart became the pastor uh, yesterday uh, wow. on a unanimous vote, which awesome. in a Baptist church is a sign of revival. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> Praise God. Well, I know you're in a new season here, but uh, man, you have given your life to revival. Uh, just conferences uh, you put on through the years called the Refresh Conference and uh, just really tried to stoke revival through the years. It's interesting when, when the Lord, um, really began to move in my life and, and you and I've talked about this and you've been a great friend and mentor to me personally through this season. You're one of the guys that believe it or not, God put on my heart, but God put four different guys on my heart as I began to sit and you were one of the four guys and you were very gracious. And we talked, and if you remember, I took copious notes and uh, after about two or three conversations, I'm like, we've got to get this on video and audio because people <laughs> need to hear these stories. And, and let's be honest, the guys we're going to talk about, Vance Havner, Ron Dunn, guys you've uh, known and traveled and spent time and been mentored by, a lot of the younger generation just does, doesn't know about those guys. Don't you, don't you agree with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I was talking to David Allen, you know, who's preaching professor at Southwestern at the Southern Baptist Convention. And he said in his preaching class, he asked, there are like 25 guys in the class. He said, how many of you know Ron Dunn? Not not one. He said, how many of you uh, know Adrian Rogers? And there were like two. And how many of you know W.A. Criswell? I mean, these are people that were legends to the generation before me 
you know, Crystal, the generation of my grandparents, uh, I think maybe one person knew, even knew who Crystal was. At that time, the pastor of the largest Southern Baptist church in America. And they yes. just didn't know. Um, I think we talk so much about ourselves <laughs> that we forget to talk about who got us to where we are. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we don't do that, then it just becomes a forgotten grave somewhere uh, mm-hmm. with a tombstone that somebody stumbles upon and goes, who's that? And why does their life matter? Mm-hmm. Well, it's good. Tell us about uh, how you, because we've talked about this, to get into this spiritual awakening revival um, movement or, or passion like you and I share, I always found just talking to guys, something had to happen in your life where you encountered something or you had an encounter with God. You didn't learn this in seminary with all due respect. Uh, something happened to you. Can you just share a little bit of that as we get started? What happened? Yeah, well, uh, I grew up on the coast in Mississippi, and uh, the Jesus movement moved from west to east, and uh, it moved from California, came across, so it took it a year or two, uh, and then it hit New Orleans, and then it came uh, to the church that I was in, and uh, I got saved during the latter part of the Jesus movement, like in 71. Uh, so it had been going on a couple of years, and it revolutionized my life because I, I had grown up with religion. And uh, honest to goodness, uh, I never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit growing up. I grew up in the church. My parents made sure I was there every Sunday, and I never heard a sermon on the Holy Spirit. I didn't. The Holy Spirit was an it, not a person. And then... I got saved in the Jesus movement. My youth pastor, who's still alive and in his mid-80s, who called me yesterday, uh, my youth pastor saw what God was doing around the country. He saw the cover of Jesus on Time magazine. And he said, I don't know what all is going on, but I want our youth group to be a part of this. And so we started prayer meetings on a couple of nights a week had six people at the first one. Two years later, we're having 300 young people at prayer meetings, and they're going uh, five and six nights a week, uh, 300 kids going to one and two o'clock in the morning. Uh, My wife, that's where I met my wife, was at a prayer meeting. That's a pretty cool story. Uh, (laughs) Because she lived in another town, but she heard what God was doing. And so she showed up for the prayer meeting. And, uh, you know, her, her parents thought she had joined a cult uh, because she's going to prayer meetings all the time. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you know, we just prayed and people walked in off the street. Uh, I can remember a cheerleader in our high school that walked in off the street, saw a friend's car, got five feet inside the door, fell on her knees and said, would somebody, somebody tell me how to be saved? Wow. I mean, you know, just stuff we never saw happening. You know, wow. when we were growing up and and I knew God was doing something and I didn't want to miss it. And and we didn't know what we were doing. You know, we just we we had a youth pastor who was just far enough ahead of us to say, no, let's do this. Let's don't do that. And he kind of navigated us through 
you know, how to pray and, you know, don't pray long prayers. We're not, we're not trying to pray over all the meal and all the missionaries, you know, we're asking God to save the lost and to revive our hearts. A, A funny little nuance to that, Robbie, is we had to get permission from the deacons to turn the lights on in the worship center because it wasn't in the budget. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I mean, you know, leave it, you know. Yeah, so yeah. in some ways I grew oh, up man. in a deacon possessed church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you may have to get permission to turn the Holy Spirit on too. You sometimes you got to, yeah, sometimes you got to yeah. cast those deacons out. Yeah, yeah, we're going. Uh, yeah, yeah. My friend Charles Lowry says Jesus went around healing the sick and casting out deacons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so the Jesus movement sweeps through. Right. You're forever changed, and that really bursts this passion. Where and 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 like you said, and we were talking about this. Once you encounter or touch the hem of the garment of Jesus, just just get a glimpse of who He really is. You're never the same. Right. And so now that changes you from there on out. You go pastor a church, but really even pastoring, you had this passion for revival. You start the refresh conference, right? And tell me the backstory on that. Right. Well, uh, in my home church, for some reason, the pastor invited Vance Hamburger and I was still in college and, uh, I went on, I was in youth ministry for 15 years and then I pastored in Oklahoma for three years and pastored, at Sherwood for 31. I only had two pastors. They kept looking for another one. But uh, I met Havner, and uh, I surrendered to the Lordship of Christ under his ministry. Uh, He gave an invitation, 72 years old, on youth night. And he gave an invitation and called us to the front to sing by ourselves. Though none go with me, I still will follow. And I can still hear him. He said, I'm not interested in your voice. I want to hear your heart. And uh, that night, I asked him if he would mentor me. I didn't even know what that meant. But I just knew nobody had ever called me out like that in my life. And uh, that night, there were eight students that went to the altar. Six of us ended up in ministry. And uh, so he mentored me, letters, uh, you know, seeing him, I would travel to see him when he was anywhere in the area. He would write me back. I've got a couple of his letters uh, framed in my office here. Um, He and I were sitting in his apartment nine months before he died. And, I, you know, I was 30. You know how we are when we're 30. And I was waxing eloquent you know, about what great things I was doing for God. That was a part of my life that wasn't under the Lordship of Christ yet. I've been been there too, uh, (laughs) Yeah. And he leaned over and, you know, he had this nasal North Carolina accent. And he said, now, son, I've been young and I've been old. And you've just been young. So why don't you be quiet and listen to me for a while? (laughs) I got it. <laughs> got it, Captain. <laughs> oh man, how how was it? How was it with him? I mean, golly, I've heard. And for those who don't know, Vance Habner, uh, he traveled and preached and was written numerous books. Uh, tell us a little bit about that time. What were some of the lessons you learned from him? Well, 
He never had a secretary. He didn't marry until he was in his 30s. He didn't buy a car until he was in his 60s. He wanted to think about it. Uh, he uh, he wrote 39 books and never, never he typed them all himself. Uh, he was a friend of Billy Graham and the Billy Graham team. Uh, Billy Graham said at one point, every sermon he preached had a Vance Havner quote in it. And Havner wow. would write all his books in Montreat, uh, go ahead and sit on a fishing stool by a little pond and write books all day and then go have dinner with either Billy Graham or T.W. Wilson or uh, George Beverly Shea or somebody like that. Um, he, he was asked, the door that opened for him as a young preacher was Donald Gray Barnhouse found out about him and asked him to come preach and asked him to write an article for a magazine that doesn't exist anymore. And just doors started opening. In fact, when he was in the nursing home, he had at 85, he had invitations for the next five years, a full calendar. Um, wow. He was just wow. a man used of God. And he said, I'm here to preach to the remnant, Michael. Wow. Uh, my, my, the first Sunday he preached, he preached on Easter Sunday. And he got up and he said, Merry Christmas. And everybody just kind of laughed, you know. And he said, I'm saying Merry Christmas because most of you won't be back until Christmas. And so <laughs> I want to be the first one to say Merry Christmas. Uh, that's just the kind of guy he was. It, yeah. You know, it, 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 preachers would apologize for the crowd going down. He said, I'm not worried about the crowd. I, I'm looking for the church. I'm looking for the church. You know what's crazy? So last night I was listening to a Ron Dunn sermon. By the way, Ron Dunn sermons, thank you for putting them on the Sherwood uh, site. They're, they're all, mo I don't know if that's all of them, but many, many sermons are on the Sherwood Baptist Church website. You just search Ron Dunn sermons. Is that right? Right. For yeah. And there, there yeah. are probably another 150 to go. What's the, yeah. uh, what's the web address for that Sherwood site? SherwoodBaptist.net, or you can go to the Ron Dunn podcast on iTunes and okay, get it great. to Yeah, that's why I'm listening to it. Yeah, so last night I'm listening to Ron Dunn, and he says, you just gave me the chills. He says the exact word. He says, I'm pre I've never heard anybody say this. I'm preaching to the remnant. And he yeah. said, y'all know what that means. And he said, I'm preaching to those who are faithful. I'm not worried about the, the, the onlookers, those who won't come. I'm worried about those who are going to show up and want to grow and learn. I thought, wow, that's an itch. And you just said that. And Vance would say the same thing. That's right. Yeah. And Vance was a huge influence on Ron's life. Huge influence. Okay. Uh, he wrote the foreword to the faith crisis, Ron's book on faith. That's such a good and, book. Too. Uh, which Manly Beasley said, you know, was the greatest book on faith written in the last hundred years. He, he may be right. Other than uh, his uh, adventures in faith, which is yeah. Beasley's book. Yeah. Those two are yeah. probably, wouldn't you agree, two of the best? Oh, yeah. They weren't rivals either. They were, they were, they were covenant brothers. Man. Yeah. So Vance Havner disciples you. Um, did he speak at the Refresh Conference any? Never did. He died before we started those. Uh, uh, Ron died before we started those. Uh, I had Ron 16 consecutive years for a Bible conference. And uh, he probably did as much to mold uh, Sherwood in a respect for the Word of God 
uh, as anybody could have, probably more than me. Uh, I mean, when he died, one of our church members came up to me and said, I feel sorry for the people that didn't come back after Sunday morning. And I said, what do you mean? She said, they'll never get the chance I had to hear a giant. Because he would preach that week. They were Sunday morning only. And those faithful remnant few that would come back got the gold. Yeah. Yeah. And see, those guys, the thing about those guys, probably that impressed me, they all had a sense of humor. You know, people think if you're walking in the spirit and you're living in revival, you're some dull, you know, blah person, you know, and, you know, Ron would come preach for me and he said, now, how many services do you have on Sunday? I said, well, we have three Sunday morning and one Sunday night. He said, which one do you want me to do? (laughs) (laughs) And one time he he was preaching and he got to Wednesday night and he said, so he did, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, noon days. And he's, Gets up on Wednesday night and said, now, how many of you have been here the entire conference? Raise your hand. So, you know, people raising your hand. He said, okay. He said, let's start over here on this side. He said, you, you didn't raise your hand. Where were you? Oh, come on. In the, yeah. in the conference. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. oh. <laughs> he wasn't the pastor, so it didn't matter to him, you know. It he, didn't matter. It didn't matter. And yeah. we'd already taken up the offering, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about, how'd you meet Ron Dunn? Tell us, tell us that story. Uh, I went to Midwestern Seminary, not because it was a good seminary to go to in the 1970s, but because that's where God told me to go. And turned down a scholarship to New Orleans. I went to Midwestern because I had one friend that was there. And he said, I think God's doing something in Kansas City. And so I went and I'd been there three weeks to a month. And Redbridge Baptist Church had a Bible conference. They had uh, Bertha Smith, Jack Taylor, Manley Beasley, and Ron Dunn for a week. Wow. Week. Wow. And Ron was supposed to be there the whole week, but his son had died at 18 the week before. And uh, so Ron didn't come in until the last night. And he preached on Romans eight twenty eight. And, uh, and and I, you know, I just, I, I listened to all of these. So that's where I met all these people. This is where I was introduced to them. Uh, apart from you just never heard of these people, never heard of them before. Well, Vance Havner had mentioned them, but I didn't know them. You know, no. uh, Jack Taylor had just written Key to Triumphant Living like a year before. And I'd read that, but I didn't really know who these people were. I, I wasn't getting their tapes or anything like that. And uh, I heard Ron preach, and, and I just thought, I don't know what this man's got, but if you've just lost your 18-year-old son and you can preach Romans 8, 28, uh, I, I need to know the Jesus he knows. And so we met. Uh, then I started, you know, he'd come around wherever I was serving, and I'd go hear him at a conference and go up and introduce myself and introduce myself, you know. And then he, uh, I was at uh, Sagamore Hill in Fort Worth for a couple of years before I went to the pastorate. And he was at North Richland Hills and uh, doing a Bible conference. Vance Havner had died. 
And uh, so I went up to him and I said, Ron, did you make it to Havner's funeral? And he said, no, I didn't get to make it. I love I loved Vance Havner. I said, I have a videotape of Havner's funeral. Would you like a copy of it? And he said, oh, I'd love it. I said, I'll see you tonight. And so I went back to the church, made a VHS copy of the funeral, met Kay that night. The next day, I went to the noonday, and I said, could I take you to lunch? He said, yeah, if you're buying, you can take me to lunch. We can go eat Mexican food. And that was a three-hour lunch. Wow. Went back that night, and uh, Ron had told Kay, I met a young man that has a like heart. And uh, so we developed friendship. And uh, he came, when I went to, to Ada, he was the first person I asked to come preach. And so he did three years for me at Ada. We would go to the Southern Baptist Convention together. We'd eat half our meals together. Um, he preached wow. 13 years at, you know, at Sherwood. Uh, we spent Christmas with them one year. Uh, Ron was not a phone phone call guy. Kay says I was one of the only people outside of Manley and a few others that he would actually answer the phone for mm. uh, because he wow. just didn't like to talk on the phone. And uh, I mean, he was probably my best friend and preaching his funeral was in many ways harder than my own parents' funeral because I lost wow. my spiritual in many ways, my spiritual father, because I had him so much longer than I had Hadner. Wow. Yeah. He, he obviously means a lot to you. You're the one who actually told me about him. I, I didn't know. And again, for those listening, you may be saying, Ron Dunn, who's that? Uh, I want to commend his auto, his biography from Ron Owens, which you recommended to me. I read yeah. that biography in a day and a half. It's not a small biography, but I couldn't put it down. Uh, Candy and I went on a trip, uh, a little getaway, and I, I walked back in the house after reading that biography, and I said, Candy, now, now keep in mind, I'm in the revival, and God's pouring out a spirit, so that may determine what I'm about to uh, just frame it, but I said, I just read probably the greatest biography I've ever read. I'm talking about muscular faith increasing biography you know i mean when yeah. I, I mean i, I think yeah. that's what in that with uh what swindoll said about his faith book this rondon has muscular faith i think that's what swindoll right. said or, yeah or yeah. wearsby said that wearsby said that i think yeah. wearsby said that i think wearsby yeah wearsby said it this is part one of a two-part podcast with michael cat talking about voices of revival and if you Want to take a moment, share this podcast with a friend, text it to someone you know, give us a rating if you enjoy the podcast, and until next week, bye-bye. Are you struggling with the fatigue of ministry post-COVID? Have you experienced some fruit but hit a plateau in your life or even your church? Could you benefit from a group of like-minded leaders who can help you achieve your God-given potential? Being a church leader is more challenging today than it has ever been. And the pandemic hasn't made it any easier to lead. We now have a whole new set of problems to deal with as church leaders that will require new solutions. With this in mind, we developed the Replicate Collective. This is a close-knit group of church leaders who want to help you and your church unleash your God-given potential. Members of the Collective will interact with premier church leaders 
men like Will Mancini, David Platt, Pete Scazzaro, and many others. Members of the collective create catalytic clarity for their church and personal lives. They participate in weekly huddles with like-minded church leaders, and you'll get personal coaching from me and the Replicate team. If you're interested in applying to join the collective or simply want to find out more, head over to replicatecollective.com, replicatecollective.com. We have limited spots, so you want to check it out today. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Take a moment to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive more free resources to help you make disciples in your home, group, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.